Tribe TV. As usual, we're going to talk about the things that affect every consumer in American's life. Uh, things like employment, housing market, housing prices, electric vehicles, which you know you may not think is something that affects you, but the changes that are happening behind the scenes right now might put you in a position in the next two or three years that you have no choice about EVs. Whether you buy one or not, it still may affect your life. So we're going to talk about that. Most importantly, we're going to talk about employment and how AI, artificial intelligence, is certainly going to affect your job within the next 24 months. These are the things that maybe not are front of mind and they may not be in the top of the news that you read every day. A lot of times you read about you know the cultural upheavals or sports or things like that. These are these are subjects that are going to affect your life in a big way going forward. So first, we'll talk quickly about EVs, but within a few minutes, we'll get right into the housing market because I know that's what is important to a lot of people. Everybody has a place to live. You have a roof over your head. You pay rent. You pay mortgage. Maybe you want to move. And those are all things that uh, you know are, are a daily requirement of humans. So we'll get to that very, very shortly. But first, look at electric vehicles. Here's the thing. Electric vehicles are coming. How do we know that? Well, the auto industry is getting $12 billion funding from Washington. What does that mean? That means the federal government is saying to automakers, you better start building electric vehicles. You better start switching over. So it's a carrot and a stick, right? They're telling automakers, you're not allowed to build gasoline vehicles anymore. That's not really the direct law, but the other laws that are put in place that say your average fuel economy for all the cars you sell has to be 40 MPG. You're not going to get that unless you sell electric vehicles. Some states are banning gasoline vehicles after a certain year, sometimes 2030, 32, sometimes sooner. So if you're an automaker and you sell vehicles to all 50 states, and if two or three of the states you sell to, like California, New York, maybe Oregon, Two of those are the biggest states. If you can't sell gasoline vehicles, then that's going to put a crimp in your sales. So you better get on board and make electric vehicles. At the same time, they're also giving you an incentive, $12 billion, to retrofit factories to produce electric vehicles. So what are they saying? The powers that be, and that in this article, they call it Washington, and there's more than just Washington, but they're talking about the federal government, are saying to automakers, you have to build electric vehicles. If you don't, you have problems. But if you do, we'll give you $12 billion. So it's a carrot and a stick. What does that mean for you as a consumer? That means for you, at some point, you will not be able to walk into a dealership and buy a new gasoline vehicle. End of story. When is that going to happen? Well, could happen in two years, could happen in five years, could happen in 10 years, could happen in 15 years, right? The question is, what do you do about planning for that? What do you do about planning for that? If you just kind of go along figuring, hey, I have my car, everything's fine. And hey, when it gets old, I'll buy another gasoline car, I'll buy a truck, whatever it is. You may not have that option. What do you do? Well, in the meantime, right now, there are problems. One problem is, you know, here's somebody who says, my EV has left me in tears. You should never buy one. Now, this is just one person from Canada. Advise people's against, people against buying an EV. Unable to charge. That's the thing people worry about. Unable to charge. You know, a bigger problem than the range anxiety, not being able to get as far as you need to get to, is the fact that even if you get there, the charger might not work. 
right? Driving the highway from Ontario to Montreal, Ford electric van ran out of charge. They started looking at different chargers, but here's the problem. Charging points, unable to charge a vehicle before the battery ran out. It seems that the system is down. These charging points are not like a gas station where they have employees, people working there, you know, they're on top of it. These are just remote kind of absentee owner boxes in the middle of a parking lot that has, that's supposed to be plugged into the electric grid. But if it breaks or the computer breaks, no one's there to fix it right away. Sometimes no one's there to even know about it right away, right? So that's a current problem. Can that be fixed? Yes, I can. We're going to talk about the bad news of EVs, and then we'll talk about some good news. What's related to that? What's related to that is, you know, we just had a hurricane hit Florida. It wasn't a catastrophic hurricane. It did a lot of damage, but it wasn't like Andrew or or Katrina. Tesla burst into flames in Palm Harbor after it was flooded with seawater. What does that have to do with anything? Well, electric vehicles are powered, you know, in the same way you have a gas tank in a gasoline vehicle. Think about how much power is in that gas tank. If you threw a match into that gas tank, it will blow up. In order to get an electric vehicle driving, you have to have the same amount of stored, saved potential energy in that vehicle. It's in the form of electricity instead of gasoline. It's still the same amount of power. If you want to push a four or 5,000 pound car 400 miles, you need to have up a certain amount of saved potential energy, either in the form of liquid gasoline sitting in a tank or charging electrons in a battery. One way or another, you need the same amount of power. The gasoline in the tank is dangerous. You don't want to catch that on fire. There are also risks to batteries. Obviously, a battery, you can't just throw a match on it and it'll catch on fire. But there are chemical and electrical reactions that will cause the same thing to happen, one of which is water intrusion. Water intrusion gets into the battery and it starts to short circuit things. What can happen? What does it look like? Boom. That's what it looks like. The electric vehicle was submerged along the coast of Pinellas County. The, the fire department said we sprayed 200 gallons per minute and it took us 45 minutes to extinguish. That's a downside, right? How did the water get into the battery? Are the batteries not sealed? Was it damaged? You know, another thing that can happen is even with minor collisions on electric vehicles, you might also have the battery be short-circuited that way. You know, you get into a little five or 10 mile an hour fender bender, that battery gets jostled. Think about if you dropped your phone, your cell phone from 10 feet off the ground, right? It's probably going to damage the delicate electronics inside of that electronic device. Battery in a and an EV is very similar in terms of its delicacy, right? So what is the good news? Well, here's some good news. If you're in Colorado, you can get an extra 6,000 by trading in an old gas guzzler. That's on top of the 7,500 from the factory or from the federal government tax credit. The factories have big incentives and even some electric companies have incentives for switching over. So Many states are now adding on kickers. There are some states that if you add up all the incentives on an electric vehicle, it adds up to something like $20,000 towards an EV. So again, they're pushing it. How do we know? The federal government is putting $12 billion behind automakers to switch over. Local governments are putting $6,000 per vehicle. See where this is going? So plan for a future, including EVs in your life. May not happen this year, next year, five years, 
but plan for that. How is that going to change your lifestyle? Do you have to move, right? Maybe you're driving wouldn't support your location with an electric vehicle. Who knows? Things are going to get better. Porsche just came out with a solid state battery that will have an 800 mile range. That's good. That's more than most gasoline vehicles have for a range. Most gasoline vehicles have a 20 gallon tank. They get 20 miles per gallon. That's 400 miles. Even if it's 500 miles, that's 800 is almost double that. The problem is if you have a gasoline vehicle and you get to a quarter tank, you pull over, you spend three, four minutes at a gas station putting gas in the pump and you drive away. With a Porsche with an 800 mile range, doesn't matter if you decide, hey, I have 400 left, I'm going to stop now and top off. You're going to be there for 45 minutes to an hour at this point. And that's if the thing even works, right? Just like what we talked about. So there is a difference. Is this going to get better? Maybe it will. Maybe in three or four years, there will be thousands and thousands of plug-in chargers everywhere you look. You wouldn't be able to swing a dead cat and not hit one, right? We don't know that yet. We don't know that yet. So it's a lifestyle thing you have to be prepared for. I know you have thoughts about this. I know you have opinions about this. Put them in the comments so we know what you're thinking about. Here's another downside. Downside is in some states, because of the fact that EVs don't pay fuel tax. Look, every time you put gas in your tank, some amount of the money you pay to that gas station, five cents, 10 cents a gallon, goes to the state road tax. It'll say right on the gas pump. Probably never saw it before. Look closely, it'll tell you, you know, the there's a five cent local, 10 cent state, maybe 20 cent federal gas tax, gasoline tax, right? If you're doing an EV, you never pay the gas tax. That gas tax goes to redo the roads. It's exactly what it sounds like, road infrastructure. So all that money that the state gets from gasoline being pumped through the gas pump, they don't get that when you plug in, whether you plug in at home or you plug in over here. They don't get that. So what are they doing? They're putting a surcharge on registrations. This happens to be New Hampshire, but they're not the only state. There's been other states that have done this. Texas is a good example. So if you register a vehicle that's an electric vehicle, they're going to add on two or $300 per year surcharge for your EV because you're not paying gas tax. It may seem unfair and you know maybe it is, but if you were going to pay the same amount of gas tax when you filled up your tank, it comes out equal. However, that's usually not an, an amount that's taken into account when people do the calculation of, well, you know, it's cheaper to buy an EV because I don't have to pay for gas and they do the break even, right? They, they do the math. A lot of times they don't take into that into account that surcharge because these are just new and they're going to go up. So here's the question. How long does it really take to save money on an electric car? There's surveys that, that do the math. It says it takes 10 years to break even. Are you even going to have your car 10 years? Do you keep cars 10 years? Does that even include the surcharge? Right? By the time you do the math on the fact the car costs more, the insurance is more, the, you have to pay for the electricity, whether you do it at home or, or charging station, right? It might take 10 years. Last thing is, does the grid have the capacity to handle this? Well, they asked some electricians. They talked to some electricians. As we said, state and federal officials are pushing for more electric vehicles on the road. Some electricians worry about potential issues that could cause 
owner of Kirkwood Electric, said the electric grid may not be handle may not be able to handle many electric vehicles in one area. We could even see blackouts. Charging one electric vehicle is equivalent to using every burner and the oven on a stove. Think about your electric stove. That's the probably the biggest power draw in your house. It's got the big 220 plug on the back. How many times are you going to run all four burners and your oven at the same time? How many times are you going to run all those for seven hours? Because when you charge your vehicle overnight, that's essentially what you're doing. In fact, if you want to know how much your electric bill is going to go up as a little experiment, it's going to cost you some money. Take your oven, put every burner on high, put your oven on broil at 8 a.m., let it run until dinner time. Be very careful you don't burn down your house. Make sure you're home. Make sure no one goes near it. Make sure kids don't get burned. And then the next month, see how much your electric bill went up. It's a good test. If you don't have an EV, that'll tell you how much your bill's going to go up. And that's just one day. You may have to charge your EV three times a week. So whatever, how much it went up, if it went up maybe $6, $7 over your normal bill. Well, if you do it three times a week, that's 12 times a month. That's $100 more a month. That's probably less than what you spend on gasoline. But your electric bill may actually even go up more than that. This electric company says they're stocking up to prepare more chargers. Bottom line is that they say electric cars are the future. They're coming either way. That's where we started this, this segment of our video. They're coming. They're coming. You want to be ready for it. You want to make sure that your life is prepared for the fact that there will come a day. Could be next week, next month, next year, 10 years that you will not have a choice in buying a gasoline vehicle. How you prepare for that is important to start thinking about because when it happens, it'll be too late. If you didn't put in a charger in your house, it might cost more than. Look, there's actually a cheap way to put an EV charger in your house. If you purchase the wire, make sure you get very heavy duty wire. You're probably gonna need you know, six or four or two gauge wire. You can do some research on this and you can actually, if your fuse box or your breaker box is in your garage, your charging port will go near there. You drill some holes in the two by fours and the studs, run the wire, leave a good two or three feet for the box, a good two or three feet for the device, and get the charger plug, get the box to put it in. You can even put the box on the wall. Next time you have an electrician come to your house for anything, to check something out, to put in a new circuit. I mean, every two or three years, most of us have an electrician come to your house for something. While you're here, how much would it cost for you just to hook up this wire? The wire's already there. The chart, here's the plug. Everything's there. You already have the fuse box open for whatever you're doing. Just hook up these wires. It'll be a lot cheaper doing it that way. They might charge you two or 300 bucks, maybe, right? If you call up an, e, an electrician and say, I want to put in an EV charger, they might charge you 2,000, 1,500. So you can save yourself $1,000 by just being prepared for it. You may never need it. You may sell your house before you have an EV, but when you sell your house, that's a selling point. Or if it turns out in 2028 that there are no gasoline vehicles and you have to buy an EV, now you have to scramble and you have to call the electrician right then. And now it's going to cost you $1,500, $1,800 or $2,000 because right now it's $1,500. Do you think it's going to be any less in five years? Uh, have we not seen inflation? So there's ways to make that part cheaper. You may not want to have a lifestyle with an electric vehicle. You may want your gas vehicle where you can just pop into a gas station anytime you want and fill up. 
But here's the data points that say that's not going to happen. Data point says Porsche is investing to get 800 miles. The federal government is telling the car factories 12 billion. If you do, you're in big trouble. If you don't, states are adding hot, adding surcharges. States are adding in additional incentives. If you buy one, right? You can see this is going to happen. You can see this is going to happen. So might as well prepare for it. It's not a big deal right now. So give us a minute. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the thing that everybody wants to know about housing prices, interest rates, what's going to happen in the next two or three years. Obviously, what happened in the last two years has been mind blowing, really three years, 2020 until now, 2023. I mean, nobody would have ever seen this kind of change in the real estate market ever in the history of real estate. It's going to change more in the next two or three years than it did in the last two or three years. It's going to change more, probably for the worse for most people. And we'll talk about that. Remember, 2024 is just, you know, heartbeat away. Most of the country now is already starting to get some indications of falls happening. It's getting a little cooler. It's starting to not be baking hot. Some parts of the country are already getting into the 50s and 40s. So fall's almost here. That means 2024 is almost here. It'll be here, be here before you know it. So you want to know what's going to be happening for, for your neck of the woods and also for the country for these economic things. And we'll talk about real estate next and then AI taking jobs. And then we'll also talk about the personal financial economy risks that are also coming down the pipeline. And remember, you can always bookmark the link to this video and come back in a year and look at it to see how many of these things were correct. I'll bet it'll be a lot of them. All right. I told you we'll be back quick. So here's the thing. Real estate is probably the single most um, important factor in most of our lives, right? We all have a place to live. We all have a roof over our head, whether that's a house that you own, whether it's a house that you have a mortgage on, maybe you rent an apartment or a house by yourself. Maybe you have roommates. Maybe you have another shared living space. Either way, either way, you have some place that you live. There are some people that live in a tent in the street, right? Everybody has a place to live. And the housing market affects all of us in where we live and how much it costs. So not to be a broken record, beat a dead horse. This is not something you already know about. You don't already know about. Guess what? Three years ago, something happened. Something happened. Up until 2018 or 19, beginning of 2020, things were pretty good in the housing market. Interest rates were low, 3%. The housing cost, the housing prices had gone up a little bit over the last 10 years, but nothing crazy. Like the average price of a house, you know, was around 200 grand. Maybe it went up to 260, 240, 250 from, you know, over 10 years from 2010 to 2020. It went up. It didn't go up that much. It went up about how much you'd think it'd go up in a decade, maybe 20%, right? Two, 3% a year is how much it went up in some, in most markets which in reality isn't a whole lot, right? And then what happened in 2020? In 2020, the first thing that happened was prices started to go up, you know, with pandemic and lockdowns and mandates and everything else, people wanted their own space. Work from home came into play. So housing prices started to jack up, right? This is, this is an old story. I'm not telling you as news, but just kind of setting the stage for what's going to happen in 2024. And people said, well, the housing prices are going up. I'm going to wait to buy a house because they're going to come back down. Remember, just because something goes up 
doesn't have to go down. The old saying, what goes up must come down, isn't true. Most of the, the biggest things that go up, house prices, stock prices, inflation, have gone up. They, ne they never came down. Even when the housing crash happened in 2008, home prices went up. They went down for about two years, and they went right back up again. So it was temporary. So housing prices started going up 2021, 2020, 21 into 22. And at the same time, but interest rates were still low 3%. But then the interest rates started to go up 3%, 4%. 5%. People said, oh, 5%. That's crazy. Who would pay 5% on a mortgage? Well, historical terms, as we've talked about many times on this channel, that's still low compared to usually what mortgage rates are. Most of history of the modern consumer market, which started in the 1960s, late 60s, for real estate, mortgage rates were about 10%. That's the That was the going rate. Sometimes they were up 15, 20, 15 16, 17%. Sometimes they were 7, 8, 9%. Most of the time, they were about 10%. So 3% was just an unheard of bonus. It was like winning the lottery. And the rates started creeping up, 3, 4, 5. When they got to 5, people said, well, I'm just going to wait till they go back down to 3. Well, they didn't go back down to 3. They went up to 6 and then up to 7. And then last week, up to 7.5. So that waiting really didn't work. It's more than double what it was. But then people said, well, when rates go up, the house price has to go down. That's, you know, rates go up, prices go down. That's what's going to happen. Well, that's not what's going to happen because there are more factors than just the interest rate that goes into what a home sells for. It's supply and demand. Are there people that want to sell their house? Well, as rates go up, more of the people who have houses with a 3% mortgage don't want to sell it because addition, in addition to selling that house, you're also getting rid of your mortgage because you have to pay it off. So what does that mean for the housing market? And you'll see the link just changed below to our website where we show that there are many houses still in the 200,000 range that can be purchased. Again, we're not realtors, we don't sell houses, but it'll give you an idea of what's out there. But here's the thing. This is just yesterday, August 30th. Signed contracts for US homes rise for the second month in a row. This is when home prices have at their highest point ever, and interest rates hit 7.49%, seven and a half. When those two things happen, signed contracts rose for the second month in a row. Many people have lost out on multiple offers on a home. Remember that happened in 2020, people said, this is crazy, multiple offers on a home, this is stupid. It's happening again, even at interest rates in the sevens because people are getting used to it. How can American home prices still be rising? Mortgage payments are at their highest since the mid-1980s. There are two markets of people right now. There are people that just flat out can't afford or can't get approved for a mortgage. And there's some that can that don't want to pay $450 for an average house and don't want to pay 7.5% interest, but they say, I got to do what I got to do to get a house. Homeownership nears the top of surveys about Americans most want in life. That's why we make it one of our subjects all the time on our videos. Those looking to enter the property market face a triple whammy. High prices, costly mortgage, limited choice. And we're going to talk about all three of those things because they are exactly right. High prices. Well, high compared to what? High compared to 10 years ago, definitely. Costly mortgages compared to what? Compared to four years ago, yes. Com compared to the normal average, no. The, the limited choice is true. But that's not going to change. So what to look at going forward? Are any of these going to change? Answer, no. None of those three things will change anytime soon.
None of them. The prices are where they're at. Nobody in their right mind who owns a home is going to sell their house for less than what the market is today. Nobody is. Here, why is that? Well, the answer was just in the last article. Multiple home buying offers. At today's prices, there are multiple offers. So why would anybody sell for less than today's prices? Unless something changes. Plus, they're going to take a huge hit, a huge loss on their house in terms of mortgage. If they have a 3% mortgage or maybe their house is paid off, when they go to buy a new house, they're going to have to get a new mortgage of 7%. That's going to wipe out. And that's 7% per year. So you might say, well, it's just, you know, discount or, you know, get an extra 7% for your house. Well, that 7% mortgage is an APR, annual percentage rate. So if you buy a new house with a 7% mortgage, you pay 7% interest every year on the on the price. So in three years, you've paid 20%. In five years, you've paid almost 40%. See how that works? So if you sell your 3% mortgage house or the one that's paid off and you go into a 7% deal, you're going to pay 20 or 30% penalty by getting rid of your house. And people are doing that math. So limited choice is not going away. Limited choice is, is here to stay. Home prices are rebounding almost all the way back to record highs of last year. Well, they're more than all the way, almost all the way back. They are back. Housing prices have gone up overall in the east. Dropped a little bit in the west, but that's not actually true. It's just that some of the houses that are selling now are, are lower price. Experts say some kind of miracles are needed in the world of real estate to reverse trends. There is no miracle, right? This is not going to be something that, that changes, right? This is here to stay, right? This is the way the market is. Look, the mortgage rate of 7% is, is not that out of whack from normal. The housing price average, 450000 it may it may be a little higher than average compared to incomes and compared to inflation, but that's just where it is and what people need to get for their house to get out of it. Fox Business, housing shortage is getting worse. Number of homes for sale drops, right? Worsens. Inventory shortage deepens. So how does that affect these three things, right? High prices, costly mortgages, limited choice. Inventory shortage deepens. Number of homes drops. Well, there's your limited choice right there. Limited choice. Costly mortgages. Let me tell you something. 7% is not going away. Well, actually, it is going away. It's going to go to almost 9. By this time next year, we'll be 8.2, 8.3, maybe a little higher. 2025 will be roughly nine. It'll trade between 8.8 .8 and 9.2. Mark my words, bookmark the video, make a note on your calendar for September of 2025, and let's see if the rates are 9%. I bet, I bet they will. So all those three factors, which is correct. This is The Economist, major international financial publication. How can prices be rising? Well, they tell you right here. It's High price for costs, costly mortgages, limited choice. None of those are going away. It's very clear all three of those are, are permanent for the near future, at least for the next three, four years, maybe five. Shark Tank investor Kevin O'Leary says it's weird there's no recession yet and predicts mortgage rates will exceed 8%, almost like we know what we're talking about. We've started saying this several months ago. Even when rates were in the sixes, we said they're going to go to eight. They're going to actually go over eight. Because the Federal Reserve has to keep putting more rate on their uh, discount rate in order to keep inflation from getting even more out of control. 
Right now, inflation is already out of control. They're trying to talk you out of it to say, yeah, there's not much inflation. It's not that bad. But you know, you're not, they're not fooling anybody, right? They're not fooling you, are they? You know what the inflation is, right? You have the, the, the gas bill to prove it. You have the grocery bill to prove it. You have the, the utility bills to prove it. You have all those things to prove it. So you know inflation isn't going away. So how do you fight inflation if you're a government? You jack up the discount rate, which is the rate that banks borrow money at, and then they mark it up for mortgages. Well, there's another factor that's going to make that markup even more. Mortgage lenders are bleeding money. There's a lot of mortgage companies that are actually going out of business. And the reason why is because they're losing money. It costs them about a thousand bucks to originate a mortgage, the labor, the cost to do that. Lenders lose money on a loan when it's more expensive to produce the loan than the revenue it generates. And that's what's happening. The mortgage companies are starting to lose money. So how, if you're a mortgage company and you're losing money, how do you make more money? Well, you just make the rate higher. If you're lending at 7.49% and you're losing money, you might have to go up to 7.8. That's even if the Federal Reserve doesn't even raise their rate. Radical change in interest rates over a short period of time drove mortgage volumes down. But we also have a housing crisis. We don't have a lot of inventory, which is lower volume. It's like any other business. You have fixed expenses for your mortgage company, your rent, your payroll, your insurance, your electricity, all your expenses you have. And you have to divide that over the number of sales you make. So if you are a lemonade stand and it costs you $10 you know, for electricity, to, for lights for your lemonade stand, and you sell 10 cups of lemonade, well, that means each cup, if it costs a dollar, goes to the electric bill. Well, now, if you only sell five cups, you need $2 per cup to pay your electric bill. It's the same thing with mortgages. As your volume goes down, you have to make more on each one to pay your bills. It's a big deal. Very, very big deal. Last but not least, home builders are doing well. Prospective buyers are now starting to look at new homes as a way because, as we've said, the inventory, number of homes for sale drops, inventory shortage deepens. Look, there's no used home factory. Any home that's a resale home that's going to be available for sale has already been built 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago. They're, they're not making any more of those. And if the people who own those houses now don't want to sell them, then there's nothing you can do. So what can you do? You can build new homes. So the home builders are now cautiously, cautiously starting to maybe develop more homes or buyers or homeowners are going directly to the builder saying, look, build me a new house. Like in this neighborhood here, I don't see any, any empty lots, but let's say this was an empty lot up here. You buy this lot, you call up a home builder and say, look, here's my floor plan, build me a house. That's how it could work. More of that is happening because the resale inventory is not it's not coming to pass this is not something that should be new if you've been watching this channel we've been we've been mentioning this for many many months it's all kind of coming true in the timeline we predicted again nobody has a crystal ball but it's not prediction from our magic kind of crystal ball like we said it's from watching the actual answers that the experts are giving. The Federal Reserve said a year ago, we're going to raise rates. And everybody in the market said, rates are probably going to go down. How can you say that when the Federal Reserve already told you they're raising rates? At the same time, people said, well, house prices have to come down 
because interest rates are higher. Home sellers are telling you, we ain't selling our house with 3% mortgage. It's very clear. All these things are not an opinion or just a guess or just spin a roulette wheel and wherever it lands, that's the answer. It comes from reading the actual facts. So we're going to do the same thing here in a minute with AI and cyber attacks. This is something that you may not have seen as a consumer affect you directly, but the number and volume and severity of cyber attacks is going through the roof, mostly for companies, but it does have an effect on consumers as well. So we'll be right back with that one here in a minute. All right. That was pretty quick. So here's the deal. The, just as we were, uh, just as we were loading up some, uh, some links for you, uh, one more that slipped through the cracks. That's important. Here is the answer. The fed chairman, Jerome Powell said, the Fed is prepared to raise rates again. Rates will rise further, continues to fight to bring inflation back to 2%. It's way above that now. So, you know, get ready for that. So anyways, AI, cyber attacks, patient data from a hospital. This is just one example. It was for sale on the dark web. So if you went to this hospital during the time that this, before this attack happened, your personal information social security numbers, driver's license, medical records, passport, legal documents posted for sale on the dark web because this hospital did not have good cyber defense, cyber protection. They were trying to sell them for 1.3 million. Now this hospital's in for a rude awakening once they find out how much it's going to cost them for regulatory remediation. You're probably going to get fined. You're probably going to have to pay for for credit monitoring for all these consumers. Most states have these kind of laws. Hopefully they had some kind of cyber insurance, cyber liability insurance, and we'll see where that goes. Numbers don't lie. Harsh truth of cyber attacks in the new report. Analyzing real world attacks, this AI powered endpoint blocked one and a half million cyber attacks in, in about a two month time. And we're seeing that in our operation side. There's tens of thousands of cyber attacks happening every week. 90 days of cyber attacks. Total number of malware-based attacks, 1.5 million. Number of unique attacks using previously undetected malware, 200,000. So they're creative. They're new. How many attacks per day? 17,000 attacks per day. The velocity of attacks detected is huge. Most targeted in the industries, financial, healthcare. It's almost like we just read about that, didn't we? Healthcare? Yeah, I think we did. Hospital, right? Uh, food retailers, supermarket drugstores. Why is that? And two months from now, they'll be attacking different types of businesses. So the bottom line is that if you're in any kind of business, you need to have protection against it. If you are a consumer, be aware that it's just a matter of time till some company you do business with has a breach. So anytime you're doing business with somebody and you're giving them personal information, things like, what did they say? Social security number, driver's license, medical records, passport, legal documents. If you're giving a company any one of those, first question is, do you have cyber liability insurance? Ask them, do you have cyber liability insurance? And if they don't, you can tell them to call risk coverage because that's what we can provide. So it's not a small item because even if this hacker sells this 500,000 records 
even if they don't get 1.3 million, even if they get 300,000, who cares? It's all free money to them. What's it going to do for you if some hacker in overseas has your information and they do synthetic identity or identity theft or get loans in your name or what have you? IBM is they froze job hiring predicted AI would take 50% of new jobs. Think about that. IBM said AI would take up to 50% of new jobs just piled into a four and a half billion funding round. The tech unicorn is an AI company. It's a company that creates AI that does jobs. So not only are they predicting it, they're putting their money where their mouth is. How's that going to affect you as a, an employee? How's it going to affect you as an employee? Here's the thing. This AI is not the only issue that's out there that's going to affect your future as an employee. Not the only one. There's a bunch of other things that are going to affect you. Let's take a look and see what some of those things are going forward in the next couple of years. See what those things are. Got a few of them here that maybe might be interested in. All right. This gets back to actual human here. So first, we're going to look back at this article. Big company, one of the biggest companies, one of the first big tech companies, IBM, putting money into AI. They say AI is going to take 50% of new jobs, and they're putting $4.5 billion into AI jobs. Okay. So what else is going to affect you? may not seem like these things are related, but in reality, they are. This one's related. 61% of consumers are living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe that's you. 61% of consumers. Why is that happening? Well, Walmart, as an example, is cutting pharmacists' pay in hours while workload piles up. This, this may not seem like it affects you directly, but it's an example of companies that are cutting jobs even when workload is piling up. You would think when a company has a higher workload that they want to hire more people, right? Workload piles up, cutting pay in hours. How does that happen? Well, Walmart needs to make more money. And they know that AI is going to take some of these jobs. This is going to be a double whammy for you as a consumer. First of all, even if you don't work at Walmart, it doesn't matter. Wherever you do work, someday they're going to do the same thing. They're going to say, hey, wait a minute. AI can take over 50% of the jobs in my company. They're going to, you know, IBM realized this earlier. Wherever you work hasn't figured this out yet. They will someday, right? So your company's going to realize that and they're going to say, well, let's just start cutting hours. At the same time, how is this else going to affect you? It's going to affect you because when you go to Walmart to get your prescription, you're going to be in this line. Instead of just walking up and spending five minutes, this is what's called a moral hazard, meaning your life is going to get worse because you have to deal with the waiting time, right? How else does this affect you? Well, Auto workers want a 40% pay increase. Are they going to get it? I don't know if they get the whole thing. The problem with auto workers is it's not all stuff you can do with AI, at least right now. That's going to drive up car prices. Labor is about 30%, 25 or 30% of the cost of a car. So if you take 40% times 30%, that's about 12% of the total. And if that goes into play, cars are going to go up 12%, probably 15%. Now, what will the automakers for GM and Stellantis do about it. What they'll do is they'll say, well, we got to pay this now just to keep our factories going. 
But at some point, we'll get rid of all these people because it costs too much money. How do you get rid of people? Remember that last article we talked about in the first segment where it was the government paying $12 billion to retool factories? When they retool the factories, do you think they're going to retool it to keep auto workers with 40% pay increases? No. They're going to do what IBM did and say, AI will take 50% of the jobs. See how those two dots connect now? This one may not seem like it affects you, but it will. This is Portland, but other states and cities are doing the same thing. Are saying to schools, you can't give somebody a zero if they cheat, if they don't show their work, if they are late for class, if they don't show up. They're basically saying that you don't have to demonstrate that you are good at whatever subject. And not giving a student a zero when his or her work earned a low mark actually harms the child. Okay. So you might think, well, that doesn't affect me. Maybe you don't have kids in school, maybe not. But you know what? At some point, all these childs that are not learning how to do math are going to be out in the world, work somewhere. And they're going to affect you because you're going to have to deal with them. Maybe they don't affect you directly, but they put numbers into a system that maybe do a budget for your town. Now the budget's off. It's going to affect you at some point. What do you do about it? Well, side gig. This side gig makes 354000 a month. Does yours have to make that much? No. What if it makes $354 a month? Would it be nice to have an extra 400 bucks a month for maybe working a couple hours? And then you can maybe make it earn $654 a month and maybe $854 a month. At some point, it becomes a real number. 2024 is going to be much different than 2023. Way different than 2020. Wait till you see 2026. You think it's crazy now. It's going to be way worse. How worse? Keep an eye on our channel. Watch us on Rumble, YouTube. Facebook, and Twitter. The same video is broadcast to all those channels. You can watch us anywhere. It's turned into a podcast on Transistor. It's also written as text on many of our websites. We run dozens of websites. You can get links at Actual Human. Or the other place you might want to look is Describe.tv is our video website. Either way, this is one more piece of information you can use to plan for the future. You don't want to be planning a few days in advance, a few months in advance. You want to be planning years in advance. Even if you are like these people living paycheck to paycheck, that's okay. Think beyond your next paycheck. Even if you you can only pay for things from your next paycheck, that's okay. Think farther than that. Once you start thinking farther, you'll be able to start executing farther. It's easy to say. I get it. It's easy for me to say it. It's harder for this to be actually executed, but don't give up. Keep thinking ahead, even if it seems like it's tough, there's no answer to it. The more you think about it, the more answers will come. If you give up, then you'll... there's a lot of great opportunities. You know, we just saw. I mean, here's an opportunity right here. I mean, not to, not to beat a dead horse. I'll put it back on the screen, right? These guys created a company that makes 354000 a year. You know how much that is? Uh, 354000 a month. You know how much it is per year? That's almost $5 million a year, four point something per year. Now, this is what we talked about before, too. They made 22 more. He built several of them. So it may not happen the first try, but if you start working on it early, you'll finally get one that clicks. Not subject for this video. Watch our channel for notifications. We will describe ex actual examples of things you could do as a side business 
that can make you hundreds or thousands a month. 354, 354,000 is a lot of money. Are you going to get there? Most people won't. But what if it's 500, 1,000, 1,500? Wouldn't that be beneficial to you? I know you have opinions about all this. I know you do. I know you do. As you're watching this, you're thinking, I, this is what I think, and this is not true, and I agree with that. Let us know in the comments what you think. Because your opinions being more visible to the world could be what influences somebody to make a decision or gets more people on board to a certain way of thinking. Don't keep it all to yourself. Don't be selfish. Don't keep it to yourself. Let us know what you think. Thanks for spending some time with us. See us again today's Friday, probably on Monday, even though it's a holiday. We'll have another video about many of these subjects. And next week, we'll talk more about potential business opportunities that you